This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center. Family owned and operated. A no pressure laid back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. It didn't work for him. I think he wants to be a quarterback. And we were forcing him a little bit into needs. I think we felt like our needs were a little bit more wide receiver than what they may be. He wants to be a quarterback, and that's that's where we're going to play him. And I think because even at practice, we took him away from that, and I, I don't think it helped him at practice. Based on that answer, doesn't look like we're going to see – Malik Hornsby packages at wide receiver anymore. You know, so the question is, and that's not surprising. That's that's a, the answer we'd all expect. Question is, do you find a way to get him on the field? And yet at 52-yard burst, you saw, how do you, you know, you may not get 52, but how do you put that speed on display? You know, is it as simple as, you know, we keep saying packages. What does that mean? You know, clearly the ball in his hand running the ball. And I know he had a few good throws. But where he needs to be is on the edge, running the ball and making someone miss, and you know, and going for twenty plus. How how do you create that for him? That's that's the that's the job Kendall Browse has. They probably worked on some things so far. When he's come in, that it's not been effective. You know, the the easy answer I think for someone sitting out here that's not watching practice and not designing offenses and not calling plays is you come up with some kind of wildcat package um, that. That seems to be where, where he can force guys to make mistakes defensively. But is it a situation, and I know that Mississippi State mishandled it at times, but in the end they forced him into two interceptions. Is it a situation where it's worth it to put him in that if almost everyone knows what's about to happen on the field that he's going to run the football? And I know he went for that 52, as you well, said. 
but did he show enough Saturday to to show he's a threat throwing the ball? The Wildcat only works if you're a threat to throw the football. So has he shown enough to be that threat? You know, you mentioned the two interceptions. He did complete a great-looking touchdown throw to Bryce Stevens. I think he's got to put more on the resume about, hey, I can throw the ball. But, man, that speed on that first burst was – that's what you've been wanting. Now, that, everyone that's in Malik's camp, that's your number one piece of evidence why he should play more. Now, let's go back to something you said fall in the Texas A&M game that you felt like the offense was doing work, and then when Malik was inserted, it threw about a sink. What's the difference between, let's say, the offense is rolling this Saturday against BYU and Provo, and then you insert Malik, you still and it throws out you, of sync? You don't, you don't insert him. I still don't understand the logic of why, if you're running, running the football down the field, six, six, much like State was, I didn't understand why State th- started throwing the ball. I mean, it worked out for him, but if you're going five, six, seven yards down the field every snap, why would you stop doing that? I, I, I mean, maybe I'm just old school, but if you can run it for half a first down every time you're you're putting it in a, a running back's hands, I don't know why you ever quit that. Because when you throw the ball, was the old phrase, three things can happen and two of them are bad. So why would you put the ball in the air? Why would you put Hornsby in the game unless you're going to run the football? And I don't think you can take K.J. off the field. Maybe if you want to bring Hornsby in and put him on the field with K.J., but, but I, I don't understand the desire nor the logic or the or what would be behind the motiv- motivate a move to put him in when you're getting six, seven yards a, a clip. Doesn't that throw the offense, though, out of sync if you're doing something a certain way? Again, if you're advocating for inserting Malik Hornsby on plays. insert him when you need a spark. When the so offense only when isn't... they're not clicking, is what you're saying. But if they are, okay. then he doesn't need to... Why mess with success? That's Well, that's what I'm asking now, you. Why, so, if the offense is moving the ball effectively and it's successful, why would you okay. mess with that? So he only needs to play and be... And, due to a KJ injury or if they're not getting anything going offensively. That's how kind of you're looking at it from that lens. Or if you could get to a point where his his addition to the offense is kind of like a turbo boost or something. You know, that's what it was with McFadden. Now, this this guy in McFadden, but that's what that's what you brought the Wildcat in for, right? It wasn't it wasn't a change of pace. It was like a turbo boost. Like you're going to hit the turbo button, boom, off you went. And defenses didn't have an answer for it. Problem is Malik, in a guy that has thrown has shown the ability to throw the ball until last week effectively enough to make defenses play it different. So I mean, and and the problem in the A and M game was what those three plays they didn't they didn't execute them right. So I mean, they were just three misexecuted plays. Was it effective enough? Because he missed still a good number of throws in that football game. And I know that everyone looks at that Bryce Stevens mm-hmm. fifty two or fifty or four yard touchdown, but. Tommy, that game's changed if he finds Matt Landers in the flat where he's no one's within 10 yards of him. So yeah. you say he effective. Was wide a open. When I think of effective, I think of consistent. I He was not consistent throwing the ball in that game. So again... No, I, I like, agree with you. You're 1,000% right. But there's moments where he... where I mean, is there enough on tape to make a defensive coordinator pause a little bit and say, well, we better play this this way. Malik's not the kind of guy that I've seen yet... That forces, you know, he comes in, and boy, that's either going to make an adjust, you know, all of a sudden we got to make a quick adjustment on the fly, or we're calling timeout. You know, he's not the kind of guy where you put him in there and oh crap, we got the wrong personnel on the field. Time, give me a timeout so I can get this settled out with my defense. John in Nashville says you get him out on the field by kicking the crap out of the other team, and that way you can get him some playing time. 
for his development. Dennis texted in. He said, we have failed to use Malik as a decoy. That's the issue, that most defensive well, coordinators and defensive players know he's getting the football as soon as he steps foot on the field. Again, is he a decoy? Is he, does he draw enough attention by his mere presence? I think he improved his case Saturday, but I don't think he's there yet. So um, it, decoy also means there's a threat. You've got to be a threat anytime you're out there. Is, is he a threat? Does he strike fear in the heart of the defense? Probably not to that point yet. RJ Texan, he said he is not a quarterback. He can throw the ball, but he's not a passer. He isn't going to get drafted as a quarterback. It won't happen. I mean, I think you could say that about a lot of young men that are currently playing college football, that they're not going to get drafted at their certain position or drafted whatsoever. So I don't think that's a, just a, like an, a wild take this morning. I he's think playing college football right now. I, 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 will, I will say that based on what I saw in very small stints against A&M, Texas, and Penn State, I guess UAPB, he looked better at points during that Mississippi State game than he did at any point during the He had some flashy runs and whatnot, but I think they they were more willing to let him throw the football in Starkville. But what was also the difference leading up to that game? The reps that you were... We talked about he last week. He prepared all week as though he was going to play, even though he didn't start. He, you know, I don't know if he prepared as a starter. I don't know how they prepared them, but he knew going in. So you mentally prepare, obviously physically prepare in practice. I think that's, you know, that that's a big difference in how you approach a football game versus being thrown into see, a situation. See, some guys perform better when they don't have all that week to contemplate how they're going to play, if mm-hmm. it's just they get thrust into a situation, their starter goes out and they're just like, well, they don't have time to think, they just have to go. Other guys, if they get those reps in practice, as Malik and Cade did this past week, they perform better on the field. I think it definitely helped Malik this past week. Now, he wasn't perfect. I just mentioned the wide-open pass he had to Matt Landers in the flat that he missed. He missed some other the throws in that game. But initially, as we said, that 52-yard run, that got the offense going. They that was when they got stopped on the fourth down, right? If I remember that right, the rocket got stuffed. I, I think, think that was that. a series that they ended up getting stuffed on that fourth and one, or whatever. And that was, I think, they reinserted Cade back in that, which well, a lot of people were questioning. If I remember that right, like he goes fifty-two. Well, one long what, after that when he got well, I was hit. I going to say he got yeah. his bell run, and that's when it ended up happening. That's kind of that threw off the, the rhythm. I don't know if he got his bell run or got hit in the ribs, but, uh, you know, they called a targeting and then removed it. It wasn't even close to targeting when you looked at the replay. But it, then Fortin came back in, and I think he got one more spot, and then it was, it was clearly evident that Hornsby was the guy that could do a couple things, A, bring that speed. But I thought the deal with Cade Fortin is – they ran RPOs and read read plays, but the, he never kept it and ran with it. So it became pretty easy for the defense to figure out where it was going because the read option never optioned into the quarterback keeping the ball. It all it only turned out to the running back getting the ball, which isn't a bad deal for Arkansas, but to keep that honest, it's got to go both ways, and that's why KJ is so good at it. You think about the touchdown that Bryce Young had before he got injured against Arkansas when he whopped in on that read option type. I think it might have been like a, a pass option as well, but he just walked into the end zone because everyone was accounting for Gibbs, Burton, uh, Brooks, and the rest of the Alabama wide receivers, and he just kind of strolled into the end zone because, again, so many people were focused. But Bryce Young 
as much as we think about it as a pure passer, still has that ability as a runner. That makes him so dangerous. We opened up the show not just talking about K.J. Jefferson, but his presence, if he's going to play or not in Knoxville this Saturday. Hey, BetUS.com back for another year of NFL action. And boy, was last night fun. They've got the industry's biggest sign-up bonus up to 200% with BetUS, the industry's biggest. It's also time to uh, get in on some of the other cool things like European slots, live dealers. They've got horse racing, MMA, eSports, all kinds of crazy bets. Call 800 800- 79 bet us that's 1-800-79 bet us nobody in the industry gives a bigger bonus mention esp in arkansas and get your 200 percent sign up bonus now in your very first deposit that's 200 percent mention the code esp in arkansas bet us 800 79 bet us or bet us.com it's where the game begins so i think quincy mcadoo as his fellow freshman wide receiver sam and has played a little cornerback as well they are really thin there right now sam Pittman was not positive about Kari or Jaden johnson playing uh this week he and he was unsure even about miles slusher which i thought was for sure that slusher was going to be back and then he seemed a little unsure if he was going to play or not so not just not a a great week for Arkansas. Really great year to start for injuries, especially in the the depth of that. And that's been the issue all season is the inability to keep guys healthy in the secondary. Well, and that's, you know, Arkansas is going to have to have an offense they can put on the field that scores how many points? 35 to 40? We said 35 against Mississippi State. I think 35 is probably a good number to kind well, of I think if I think if KJ had been able to play and been KJ – you would that have been about right because I think State would have got one or two less possessions because Arkansas's offensive possessions would have I think been more effective and went longer. So yeah, I think uh, you know the, you're going to have to be somewhere you know to, around 40 points probably to feel comfortable. Arkansas can't rely on non-offensive touchdowns, but that's kind of where you're at. You need some non-offensive scores in order to, to probably be comfortable about being able to win, and you know you can't count on those things. Well, the defense hasn't forced a lot of turnovers. They're not forcing sacks as they did in those first three games. And they played stiffer competition. They played better quarterbacks. And it's not going to be an easy task this week against Jaron Hall, who can run it, who can pass it. And it's back in his home stadium, which in Laval Edwards there, that's a tough place to play. We saw Baylor earlier this year, who most consider a pretty solid Big 12 team, go in and get beat in a really tough environment, a road atmosphere. Is it... I guess one thirty their time, two thirty this time, so it's not like it's a night game or anything, but I don't expect this team to roll over. They gave Notre Dame a, a decent football game this past weekend, and I think they're gonna as Arkansas try and bou- bounce back this week against the Razorbacks. No, I mean they and they need it and uh you know, they're trying to keep you know, keep their season put put together. So you're exactly right. And listen, there's always a lot of pride in beating an SEC team. You know, they they missed a shot against Notre Dame, who's another one of those marquee opponents. But anytime you get an SEC team to come to your stadium and you can win, that is a a recruiting boost. It's a uh, probably a a big boost for your for your foundation and the donations they get. Every conference in America takes pride. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt; they take pride in beating an SEC program. Jamie texts in and says, we'll be fine on offense this weekend against the Cougars. Is the defense coming to play? That's the question. Needs a solid weekend from the defense. I think at this point, as you just stated, you're going to have to score pretty much 35 and up from here on out. When you play Ole Miss, you're going to have to score a lot of points. Not so much against 
LSU. Probably going to have to score a good number against Liberty. Charlie Brewer, former Baylor, former Utah quarterback, looks like he's going to be back for that game against the Razorbacks. And then, I don't know about Missouri, but uh, you're going to have to score some points this weekend, and you're going to have to score some points against Ole Miss. Maybe not against Auburn. Maybe get a break there because they're down. Harson could be fired if they go to Oxford this weekend and get clobbered. But especially this weekend against Ole Miss, you got to score. It doesn't matter or you're not going to win that football game. Nope. And, uh, you know, odds are you're not done with injuries yet. You know, odds are, I mean, that's just football. I mean, odds are you're going to have some more uh, strains on your depth chart. So, I mean, when you're down to, to moving wide receivers to defensive secondaries, we talked about yesterday, and it just kind of gives you the state of where it's at. So, you can, we can talk about coaching and schemes and should they have rushed four and should they have this. Man, you, when you don't have the players, but you know, you can say, well, they should have recruited better players. Well, okay, we can have that argument. That doesn't fix this week. That doesn't fix today uh, or this week's game. But that's that's where Barry Odom and his staff's at is making some hard decisions on who they can put on the field. Jacob in OKC text earlier talking about Sam Pittman meaning wanting to get more pressure on the quarterback when he was talking about that in yesterday's press conference. So, so help me on this logic. Right. Your worst position group on defense is your secondary, correct? It wasn't that case at the beginning of the season with Slusher, Catalan, and some non-other injuries. But right now, it is definitively, no questions asked, the worst position group that you have, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been running a lot of, what, three, two, six, right? Right. So have been running. So answer me this. Why would you have your worst position group with the most players on the field? Because you need extra help. I mean, that's, what, that's, that's my point. You, it's a math, it comes back to the math equation we were talking about yesterday. They're only going to send no more than five out for it to catch a pass. So try to cover. You couldn't cover them with eight, so going to seven probably wasn't going to make it any better. But to me, at points, and this isn't, I'm not talking about you blitz every single day, but if you're better, maybe arguably your best and biggest depth defensively is your defensive line based on the numbers that we've talked mm-hmm. about too deep. Mm-hmm. I would think you'd want at least four out there. And then your linebackers with Sander Poole, who's been hurt, not just this season, but has played through injuries as did Grant Morgan did. I would think the better position groups out there, you would want more of them to have a better impact, right? Is there any guarantee you'd have gotten pressure on Will Rogers but with four? But they didn't even try it. That was the, well, that, they that, did. Actually, they did uh, towards the end of the first half, and it was effective. But they blitzed. It was effective. Yeah. With them coming after the quarterback? When they rushed four, they briefly did that at the end of the first half. So why would you not go? Because what did they blitz three times in that game? I, I don't think know that's, how many that's times what the number they blitzed, was. But they, they, from, a but, front, from a front line standpoint, they almost, almost exclusively went with three down linemen. And I don't, I, I'd be lying if I told you. I think BYU does a number of different things on offense from watching them this season. They not line up in a number of things schematically, but if it, it I still come back to it wasn't working. I get you don't have anyone back there, and I'm not going to sit here and, and say that Odom needs to solve this problem because he just he's in a world of hurt right now with his backup. But what they did last week wasn't working. I don't expect them to do that this week on the road again. BYU probably doesn't run the same type of offense that. Mike Leach does with his air raid and whoever and I'm Sataki Satan. I, I'm forgetting how to pronounce their coach's name, but I would think they're going to adjust as is because what they did. And I say last week didn't work. The other thing, and everyone wants to play Emotem. Everyone wants to play Bryles. If you're a player, you've got to account for some of that blame. 
you had at least two interceptions that you should have had, one being Chavis, the other being Hudson Clark. Arkansas got their hands on a number of other different balls, three or four other ones that were kind of iffy, but two of those should have been picked off. Will Rogers doesn't give you gifts. You've got to, everyone, again, everyone wants to blame the coordinators and the head coach. The players account for some of this blame, too. Yeah, that's not coaching. Coaches, coaching put them in the position, perhaps, to make those plays. You're exactly right. Players got to make the plays when given the opportunity. And how much different is that game if Arkansas intercepts just two of those? You would hope I mean, it's it different. depend on the situation and where on the field, but you'd think that would take at least one score, perhaps at least one scoring drive away from State, but... No, that's exactly right. How bad was the scheme when you had a chance at five interceptions that game? You didn't get them all. I mean, you didn't get any of them, obviously. But, you know, you'd gotten just two. The complexion of that game is much different. You start to feel the juice a little bit. You know, dropping those and not having not getting those was, was huge. I thought also the, the two goal lines, particularly the, the one on the third and the fourth down plays yeah. we talked about were where the game turn. Here's the other thing. I was watching. Joe Fouché was academically ineligible for the Tigers' first four games. Joe had two interceptions on the road two years ago in Starkville. Greg Brooks had the play of the game against Auburn for LSU earlier this year. I don't think at the time we understood when those guys, Joe was a captain for this team, when those two guys went back to Louisiana for LSU, which I'm not knocking them for that. The Louisiana kids, that's the school they dreamt growing up playing for. No, I'm not going to bash him for that. We didn't realize at the time when they hit the portal and went to Baton Rouge how important of pieces they are. I mean, you would love to have those two guys on your football team right now. Oh, absolutely. Now, Fouché went down there, what was it, four games? He he had to sit to, to start the year. But, yeah, absolutely, they, they could fill in some gaps right now. But you may not have some of the other personnel that you've gotten in here. A guy like Breeny, you know, may not be here um, – and on your roster. So if those guys had stayed, probably some of the guys you end up getting out of the portal wouldn't be here. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB. MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. First Western Bank, we are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Your Arkansas Razorbacks have dealt with a rash of injuries this year. Here's Sam Pittman updating those heading into this weekend. I don't know that Kari will be available. Jaden could be. 
we're not going to practice him, him today. Kari, probably not. Jaden, I don't know. We're holding him today. Domestic about Slusher is... <laughs> I had a talk with him this morning as well. I don't know. I thought he would be a little bit further along yesterday, to be perfectly honest with you, than what he was. So, I don't know. Defensive backs, Kari Josh, Johnson, Jaden Johnson, Miles Slusher, their status all in doubt, it seems like, for Provo this weekend. It's not good. Just bad luck being a defensive back at Arkansas uh, right now. You, know, you, should, you know, have everybody in walking boots or something walking around. I don't know what you do, but, man, it, for Barry Odom, that, that it's just hard decisions to be made because you don't have a lot to choose from right now. It's just It is what it is. KJ was back in practice yesterday. Malik Hornsby is now two on the depth chart. I Unless something weird happens this week, KJ, I think, is going to be your starting quarterback on Saturday. and I think that's why we started the show this morning. The line moved from BYU minus two. Arkansas Arkansas is now one-point favorite as of this morning. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't think the betting public just uh, bet that line across even. So, uh, clearly, he's a game changer. He's he's an equation changer. I think Saturday he would have been worth 10 more points to your football team if he had played against Mississippi State. Red-white game is set this Sunday, 2 o'clock. It's going to be on the SEC Network Plus. Free the public. Gates open at 1 and you can park at the lots west of Razorback Road and lot 44 north. First come, first serve. going to be a lot of people there, I think. Is there anything else going on? You, you fill Sunday? it up. Can you can you fill it up? You had, so when coach, the late Coach Sutton came back and no one knew he was coming, it just kind of was mm-hmm. until like right before the game. That was a pretty big crowd. The aesthetics just look good. I, what is it? See, is it 8,900? Now it's a, I don't know what it is now, but back in the day it was what ninety two or ninety three hundred so, something like that. I think the NFL as to the rafters, you know. I don't know. If Here's I, the thing: the Cowboys play Sunday night. night. The so. Chiefs play at three twenty five against the Bills. Cowboys I, keep more people at home than the than the Chiefs would, so them not playing early helps. I, I'm probably going to watch it on TV because of. The Chiefs and the Bills. What time is it again? Three twenty-five. No, no, no. The Arkansas two. Now, my flight doesn't land in Tulsa till one forty-five. Coming back from Provo, so is that on? We don't have that on radio, though, right? No, there's okay. no radio. I, I didn't know if you had heard something that I don't. So again, SEC Network Plus is where you can watch it. I will probably have Red Zone on one TV and that on the other, yeah. and then switch over to the when the Chiefs play the Bills well, at three twenty-five. It'd be a good sign if the building was full, and I think there'd be. A, Six, seven thousand there at least. It'd be great if there was, you know, pushing nine plus and then there's people at the door getting turned away. I don't know that that's what it'd be. Um, but I think they could fill certainly the lower bowl of Bud Walton if they played it in the arena. Because I think there's some people that would like to get in and may not get a ticket all year. This might be their only chance to see this mm-hmm. basketball team. And maybe to ever see Nick Smith in person is is this Sunday. Other news, you got the men and women's golf at the Jackson T. Stevens Cup that started mm-hmm. in 2021. Now, this is at Seminole Golf Club in Juneau Beach, Florida. You ever been out there? I guess Not, this year's at Seminole Golf Club. Right. It was at uh, Elotion, uh previously. This is uh, you know, Seminole's, one of the most prestigious, most uh, inaccessible golf courses is you're going to find. So it's kind of like a lotion here that's just hard to get on. You got to know somebody to get on a place like that to play. Seminole is uh, very similar in that fashion. So probably for a lot of people in Florida, in that area, Florida, Georgia, Alabama area that 
you know, desire to play that course, here's a look at it on TV. So, uh, yeah, there's probably uh, some people taking that in or going to the event just to get a chance to see the course. That is going to do it for your hog update. It is brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. I'm going to blow you and everyone else's mind with this headline. A man took a rescue camel to an in-and-out drive through in Las Vegas for French fries. Apparently, that is a favorite of this camel. He's a rescue camel from Colorado that now lives in a sanctuary in Las Vegas. And he took his camel through the drive-through line at In-N-Out. Are you going to have In-N-Out when you're in? I would assume that Utah's... I'm not a big In-N-Out guy. It's, okay. it's just okay. I, what my dad has told me is they, the, I think the furthest east they go is Dallas. I don't think they can go past Dallas. What he's told me, he's had both the Dallas one and the California one, like mm-hmm. the original one. I've had both. And he, yeah. and he said the original one is awesome, and the I've had, Dallas one is just kind of okay. I, to me, they're the same, but I've eaten at one in San Diego, in Carlsbad, actually, just uh, north of San Diego, and I've eaten at the one in Dallas, and to me, they're, they're about the same. Have so. you ever ridden on a camel? Uh, no. That would be a bucket list opportunity. We had those when we were in Cabo. There were some camels. I did not rent one. A few of my friends did, but that would be something I would like to do at some point. I hear that when you do. I've I've talked to some people who have done that, that the camel has a uh, quite pungent odor. Distinct smell. Yeah, a distinct smell when you you ride the camel. I can see that being the case. We were talking about horseback riding a few weeks ago. It's been a while since I've done that, but doing the camel just to, to cross it off the bucket list. So what are what is your itinerary for this weekend and this week? I'll be out there Thursday. We'll do the show Thursday and Friday. We'll be early out there with, you know, 5 a.m. Uh, mountain time uh, when we start the show uh, at local time there in Provo. So looking forward to that. I want to get out. I guess I'm going to be an old man. I want to go see some of the national parks and see some of the things that uh, some of the beauty of the state. A lot of those parks and things are south. So, I'm going to, you know, then we'll do some some of the other shows too, but I'm going to try to drive south a couple of hours and see Arches and Canyonland. I don't know what all, are, you know, over in the Moab, Utah area. Then uh, probably spend Friday around Salt Lake and Provo. People are asking me what I was doing in San Francisco with, as you just brought up, I was waking up at 2.30 in the morning, yeah. so I didn't do anything. I'd go to the practices, go to the press conferences, and go to the games and go to bed yeah. and wake up four or five hours later. Yeah. That's a little different, but... I'd like to go back to San Francisco and see the pier and see some of the other stuff that I wasn't able to do. But, yeah, I haven't been back to Utah since, how old was I? I was six, five or six years old. I remember Deer Valley was like, I was in a magic kingdom of sorts. I thought that was the coolest place ever going skiing out there in Salt Lake City. Yeah, there's Park City out there where the Olympics been were park, held. So you can I go guess to the I've Olympic been to, Park. Been but, to Park City, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. I, you got to go north to see the Salt Flats and up in the Ogden area. Uh, I've done a little bit of research. Only time I've ever stepped foot in Utah was just changing planes at the airports. So I don't even count that. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting out and seeing a few things and what Utah is all about. I was told by uh, Morning Rush listener TK that there are some hog hats and bars yeah. in Salt Lake City, in the Salt Lake cool. City area. Let's maybe Find take those. a picture of those. We're going to be at Bam Bam Barbecue Saturday before the game. Bam Bams. Yes. Yeah, so that's uh, it's about five minutes from the stadium. So come by and check that out. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. 
play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code HTL at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. NoHouseAdvantage.com, promo code HTL. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Bruce Dan of Pradco Fishing joins us. I want to kick this one off. Southern-style deep-fried chitterlings. I'm talking you got to go on the scale to find because it's easy talking to about say. chitlins? Yeah, chitlins. It's You've easy had them? To, I've had them. You know They're what they great. are? Pork intestines or pig okay, intestines? You're right. Yeah. I was I, I would have I was 50-50 on even knew what they were talking about. Yeah, what they pig, were. And pig intestines or whatever. Yeah, you're, but you're right. That's the most, and you can say chicken fried steak, you can say bison, but I'm talking like you gotta pull out something you've had that not many people have had. Never or had it's them. way out there. And I remember those things were good. I haven't had them in quite some time. We were at some buffet here in Arkansas that just had them on a whim. But you that's the most that southern often. thing that I've ever had mm. in my life. Most most southern thing you've ever had. probably um, the the collard greens or the you know I don't know this is it really southern the way they do Brussels sprouts now where they where they that's not really a southern no. thing it's more of collard greens yeah but you get the right collard greens with the right amount of bacon fat in them that's that's about as good a eating as you go to I think the most southern thing though that I that I enjoy the most would probably be fried okra though deep fried okra deep fried Old okra deep fried okra then, with some pimento cheese on the side well. You can keep the pimento cheese. Just have my my late grandmother bring me a mound of peeled, chilled tomatoes and a salt shaker and some okra, and I don't eat anything else. My dad will eat those that pimento cheese with the heats, pimento, and cottage cheese. Now, they're on a cheese-free diet. They only have one pizza a month, but he used to eat pimento cheese and cottage cheese like it was going out of style. I swear that was always in our fridge when I was growing up. That's very southern. Yeah. I also said southern fried green tomatoes. That was the other thing that I had. Is there such there. thing as northern fried green tomatoes? <laughs> just, they're just in the south. They don't, even, they don't even know what that is. I don't. I think they know the movie, but that's it. Yeah. Michael in uh, Fort Smith says chocolate gravy. I would say that's a good chocolate one. Chocolate gravy. That's down there. Poke salad. Now, poke salad, is that the pea salad stuff? Y'all might have My to grandmother used to make this wilted lettuce salad. Elvis, would, Elvis sang about poke salad. Yeah, you take the, the lettuce and then you pour the bacon grease over it and wilt the lettuce. Mm-hmm. Ooh. We, of course, what doesn't get better with a little hot bacon grease poured over it? So, everything. Yeah. Pokeweed, dragonberries. It says it's a poisonous, herbaceous yeah. perennial plant. Grits. That's true. Yep. Grit. You, you go uh, north of the Mason Dixon line and try to get grits with uh, biscuits and gravy. That's mm-hmm. that's impossible. They look at you weird. Yeah. If you ask for that. Tie everywhere you go, they look at you. Uh, yeah. that's, that's fair. They're wondering why I haven't gotten a haircut yet. It's just part of it. But. No, I was, because like there's, it's easy to come up with the 
simple answers, but I was just kind of going back through my head. What is the most southern thing? The chitlins is, I think it's mine. Fried squirrel with biscuits and gravy. Now, there's a place that does the, uh, where, where is it, uh, down in Arkansas? They do the, the, the coon supper where they have, have possums and coons. They, they and, uh, go down I've there and possum, have that. I've had possum yeah. before. That's way right, back. Was it wild possum or farm-raised possum? <sighs> Just knows possum. I, I was a kid, and I don't know. I, I don't even remember how it tastes. I feel like everything, every animal tastes like chicken to some extent. To some extent, you ever as had a kid. squirrel. I haven't had squirrel. I've had possum. Ever had rabbit? Had rabbit. Okay. That's another one. That but, would be. But you got to fry or stew. Squirrel stew is good. So. What about Brun? Is Brunswick stew southern or is that that's like southern? That's southern. That's, that's than, Georgia. Okay, that'd be a good one. Trying to get some good ones this morning. But yeah, the most yeah, southern. We, we can talk about KJ versus Hornsby, and we get fifteen texts. We talk about southern foods. We got a hundred of them. So That's, foods more important. Foods more important. I would say. So that hey, I you, try and you'll appreciate. Squirrel. We're going to be doing the show next week up at Table Rock at State Park Marina. Saturday they're having that crappie expo up there. You may be uh, going up there. Wally Marshall. They were having the uh, the world's largest crappie fish fry. Oh, everybody's invited. You don't see crappie very often. I mean, let's. You do it like this, and so you gotta go catch them and fry that's them up. A, that's so, a good deal. I mean, when's the last time you've been in a restaurant? And they had crappie on the menu. I couldn't tell you exactly. I mean, you'll see walleye, you'll see that, but I mean, so I think crappie. You can put that on the list. That, that's about a southern. You fish with Bobby Garland, baby says you'll catch a bunch yeah, of crappie. So, all right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. How you doing, man? Big week for the Tennessee Volunteers. What's going on with Tennessee? They started basketball practice. It is so, the know. third Saturday in October, and it means something this year. You got your cigar picked up? No. It's a, if, if I do, it would be a Swisher Sweet. Yeah. Well, it was the Gillette Coon Supper. I couldn't remember that, but that's a big Gillette. Yeah, yeah down in Gillette? South Arkansas. And they, that's a big deal down there, and I'm, I'm sure every politician is a uh, – He'll show up for that whenever that is. I like uh, anytime a town has supper at the end of it, mm -hmm. like this so-and-so supper, yeah. there's a place right outside of Stuckart, Slovak. Apparently they have some Catholic supper that I've that I've got to go to at some point. My friends have told me that it's a town of like a couple thousand people, but apparently that supper is like one of the most, yeah. like the greatest suppers in all of Arkansas. There's certain things you just have to go to at some point. So we'll get to our rankings in a second, but obviously the uh, the big cigar game this week is. Uh, I mean, that'd be. Is there a better place in in college football to be this weekend than game is going? I mean, game is going back. I don't think I don't think there's ever a better place to be than a hundred two thousand people wearing orange. You you either got a you either got a parole convict convention wearing orange. <laughs> Or, or, or a road crew, or it's Tennessee Vol fans. It's yeah, one. Or it's all wrapped up into one. But it's a, it's a big game. Game day's coming back. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. It's Alabama. They're going to be healthy. It's, uh, you know, they're going to give Tennessee their best shot. Uh, but I hope they turn it over four times like they did against A&M. Vols will have a shot. If they play, play clean football, it's probably going to be tough. Did anyone else out there listening, or you guys feel the same way as an Arkansas fan, that if A&M had beat Alabama, it was just really going to hack me off because here you were this close, a football being two feet to the left, you beat A&M, and then they turn around and beat Bama. I mean, it just tells you how week-to-week -week it is in this league, but that was really going to hack me off if A&M. I, I really was kind of rooting for Bama down the stretch because I didn't want A&M <laughs> to win that game. 
I wasn't, but four turnovers yeah. that that equalizes just about well, any SEC game. As as a Tennessee man, you didn't want Bama coming in there off a loss. Oh, I, I hope they lose every game. Well, I understand that, but <laughs> playing Bama off a loss is is uh, not a good record. I mean, we're we're over fifteen. Does it matter? We we've not won in fifteen <laughs> years. Try try to. I think way. I was fifteen last time we beat them. All right, this was the toughest set of SEC rankings I've done in the middle. It's easier at the top, easy at the bottom. Teams 6 through 11, you could almost throw them in a hat and draw them out. I mean, it, it just you can make a case for, for all these in a different order. So let's, let's really spend our time on kind of the middle part of the rankings. Start at the top, Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, 1, 2, 3. This week it'll settle itself out on who should be number two. I mean, it's pretty simple. So uh, we leave Georgia alone at the top. They beat Auburn 42 to 10. Bama and Tennessee play this week, as we were talking about in the showdown. That, for me, was easy, one, two, three. Then four and five weren't hard either. I've got Mississippi State moving up to four after the win over Arkansas. Ole Miss struggled with Vanderbilt for a while, but won convincingly. I've got them at five. So Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, then the Mississippi School State, and Ole Miss, four and five. Here's where the debate, in my mind, began. And the crumpled up paper and the starting over, well, that can't be right. You know, this team beat that team. You know, and then you look at records, and you know, it's you know a lot of a lot of questioning on six through eleven. I got Kentucky at six, even though they lost Ugh. to South Carolina. Ugh. They did it with a backup quarterback. I still think Kentucky, even though they're on a two-game skid, now put up or shut up time. But I got them at six. I think they're better than just the other teams that are kind of in this mix right now. I've moved South Carolina, who's won three in a row, up to seven. They kind of took a rise in the poll. LSU drops to eight after their loss to Tennessee. But LSU's still at four and two. Has got a, you know, all these teams are three and three or four and two. LSU's probably still got the better resume. Then Florida at nine, Arkansas at 10, and I just put A&M at 11. They're going to be playing moving forward with their number two quarterback, and we'll see if he kind of plays at the level of a starter. Um but they lost to Ar- or they beat Arkansas. But it, you could flip flop those two. You can make that case either way. But I, I've got got them in that order. That's probably where the best debate's going to be is how I've got these teams ordered. I, I think you got Florida underranked. And I hate Florida, but you got them at nine. They're, they're they're playing better than I thought they would. I mean, obviously they beat Utah early in the year, which was a shock. And you know that Kentucky game was a close game. Uh, Missouri has figured something out defensively. Uh, the last two games against Georgia and Florida, you got to take your hat off to them. But you know, Florida's winning, South Carolina's winning. I, I just I think that's high for Kentucky coming off two straight losses, and mm-hmm. even with Levis, I think their offense is still kind of anemic. They're they're going to rely heavily on that defense uh, to hold you below probably 24, 28 points for them to have a shot to beat anybody. So I'm not believing in Kentucky. Uh, I'd probably rank Florida above them. What about South Carolina winning three in a row? I mean, it's it, I'm shocked the way they played against Arkansas, but you know you got to give them a little credit. They're 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 playing well. But Charlotte, South Carolina State, and yeah, a backup quarterback. Yeah, I don't. I haven't. I thought it was a good win though for them beating Kentucky. I, LSU, man, they get that field goal down there at the end. They, you probably got a whole different opinion then, but they just got rolled by by Tennessee. I probably got Arkansas at A&M. I probably should flip-flop them. Should have A&M at 10 and Arkansas at 11. Probably just homered a- up on that. A&M played great. I mean, they played yeah. great against Alabama. I mean, they're playing better than Arkansas right so, now. They anyway. beat Arkansas, and they, and they played Alabama really well. Bottom three, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Auburn. 
Auburn's the worst. 14. I got them at 14. And Missouri's playing better, even though they're losing. They're, they're, they're playing better. Their last three games, they could have won every one of them. So is, is Missouri better than any of those teams I had 6 through 11? No, no, I didn't think. And so. they're going to play Vanderbilt soon, so you're going to, you're going to, that'll be the king of who's better than Auburn. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't like my six through eleven necessarily, but I went through about five renditions of it and uh, probably got got it out of order. But that's that's where I where I landed at the deadline. I didn't, I didn't think we'd be sitting here talking about Arkansas at that spot. No, six weeks ago. And honestly, I should have Arkansas at eleven. I got them at ten. I probably just homered up on that. What do you think? I think you got South Carolina way too high. Okay. No, I don't get I don't care if you beat South Carolina State or Charlotte or beat a backup. They seem to Kentucky have momentum, team. though. They look good the beat other Kentucky. night. Yeah. They I mean, beat, beat Kentucky. Kentucky it's, there's some value in that to me. So, um, let's see. Coming up, South Carolina. Well, they got, got uh, seven. They got a bye week. Um, and they play A&M, Missouri, Vandy, the next three. South Carolina. Where's that game, A&M? Uh, Columbia. So it's out of, out of South so I, the A&M could lose that game. So um, anyway, that's where we're at this way. I, I'm not. I'm not wild. That's probably the one I'm least wild about. But I thought it was pretty. Uh, Jimbo tight. Jimbo shot his coaching wad for the year. I mean, he he gets him coached up against Alabama, and then the rest of it. You know, I don't. I don't even know if he game plans. Yeah. Kind of. Like, it reminds me of LSU and Miles back in the day. They coach him up against Bama, and then the rest of the they just let it go after that. I. I think South Carolina is way too high. I don't think LSU is better than Arkansas. I don't think Florida is better than Arkansas. AM's better Their than Arkansas. Are better. They beat them. I don't. Th- those teams. Would Power you agree? All those are, teams. All those teams that are fairly even, though. I mean, anyone in that group could beat anybody, depending on the matchups that Saturday and who's available. That's the who's quarterbacks got, playing? That's the problem right now. How do you evaluate this when you've seen these games with backup quarterbacks yeah. and knowing who's going to be your quarterback moving forward? That's why I downgraded A&M a little yeah. bit. Florida's kept his quarterback healthy. I mean, he's erratic, Richardson, but he's played, and he's playing every week. So maybe I mean, maybe I am a, got a little bit too much South Carolina love right now. But uh, we'll see. I mean, they, they got you know a bye week. We'll see what everybody else does. But it's the quarterback play right now around yeah. this league that's – Hard to evaluate based on health. Yeah, and everyone wants to rip on Arkansas. Arkansas is the toughest schedule at this point, I think, in any of this, these teams, right? Mm-hmm. Ole Miss hasn't played. I mean, Kentucky. Alabama. I don't know how good Kentucky is. Ole Miss really hasn't played anyone. They host Auburn this weekend, which they, isn't anything else. So they they're struggled gonna, for two and a half quarters with Vandy. Uh, yeah, that, but, but then they pulled they away and won convincingly. So it's four-quarter game. Vandy had their chances in the first half, and I was thinking to myself, they're going to get boat raced in the second half. Ole Miss is going to come out and just pound them, which they did. Have you watched Vandy yet? Yeah, they've – Clark Lee has been better at points than I thought they would be. And showed some life against Ole Miss in Nashville this past week. But, I mean, like you said, they're battling for 13th place with Missouri. Ne- that game's next weekend during Arkansas's bye. That's what's going to be up for grabs. They're going for either 12th or 13th that place. That will actually be a good football game. Is that in Columbia or, or in Nashville? It doesn't matter. Remember. But it'll be a good football game. Yeah, it is in Columbia next weekend. They're going to get housed by Georgia. That line is 34 this weekend. They are going to get mauled by Georgia. 
but there's some good games in the Southeastern Conference and outside. Like you've got Oklahoma State going to TCU, Fort Worth. Those are two undefeated teams. Mississippi State's going to Kentucky, which we brought up. There's some good games this week. Penn State's going to Michigan. Battle of two unbeaten teams in the Big Ten. Some good games this weekend. I think those SEC power rankings, Tommy, are going to get a little bit oh, of a shake so up too. this I, week. I, you know, again, I I really think you throw all those teams in a hat and draw them out for. Uh, you know, for matchups, and I think about anybody on that list could beat anybody, uh, just depending on what's happening. I don't think your top three will change no matter what happens on Saturday. No, but obviously, Bama and Tennessee, the winner's going to be on the top. Yeah. I don't know how you move, unless Tennessee just got blown out. I don't I, I think Bama's going to win by 10 to 14 points. I do too. I don't really think that's a blowout, but I, I do think Bama wins convincingly. I don't think my top four necessarily changes. I hope Ty's right. He thinks Tennessee's going to win. I thought that all offseason. And I, I I thought Hooker, I thought it was Hooker and KJ for the, the second best quarterback in the league potentially. And mm-hmm. Hooker's shown that. Uh, KJ has struggled at points this season. But So what do we think about Kentucky hosting Mississippi State this weekend? Mississippi State. They don't have Levis. They're screwed. Yeah. They're not beating. They're you're not, not beating Rodgers they got with score. the backup. He's going to score. He's going to throw touchdown passes on Kentucky. Jo- I didn't think Georgia was going to lose a regular season game, but November twelfth, Mississippi State hosts them. I think they could lose that game. I, I, they I, still might be favored by double digits. I think they could lose. I actually that game. feel better about Tennessee going down to Athens and winning than I do Tennessee beating Alabama at home. I can do see you really. That. I, can I see do. That. I, I, I st- I'm still – I know Bennett's done it. I'm still not a big believer. And he are keeps you, proving it. Are I'm, you still psyching – are you, like, psyching yourself out? No, no. So just, mean, who's the better quarterback? Well, that's, that's an easy one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bryce Young yeah. over – Oh, Bryce Stetson. Young, yeah. I mean, yeah. of those three, yeah, I, I mean, Bryce, I, I, yeah. I can see exactly where you're coming from, where you feel better about the game in Athens than you do the home game against Bama. I mean, Bama just – I mean, Chuck, Chuck said it a couple of weeks. Bama just has a way of spoiling your plans. And uh, I'd love for Tennessee to win. Uh, but I, I just think Bama win. Th- these are the moments that that program is made for. Yeah. And uh, I mean, nothing would please me more than to see Tennessee beat them. But I, I just don't think that's where we're headed Saturday. I, I, I hope for your sake that you're wrong because I want you to be happy on Tuesday and not ticked hey, off next week. I'm going to be happy no matter what because I'm, I'm, I'm going fishing somewhere. So. There you go. There you go. You mean your life isn't controlled by a football team? No. Sir. <laughs> yeah. See, I wanted to drive thought. straight into the Mississippi River on the way back from Starkville. <laughs> My life is controlled by a football team, more than mm. just this this program in general, football, basketball, and baseball. So Arkansas goes out to Provo, Utah for the first time ever in program history. Elevations are about 4,500 feet. Fayetteville's about 1,400 feet. Some are making that, hey, this is a, a, a big point to this matchup, Bruce. What, what do you think about... Arkansas and BYU can Arkansas go and win their eighth straight non-conference game for Sam Pittman? I mean, I mean they can. I mean, obviously, I watched some of the BYU Notre Dame game, and Notre Dame kind of started turning it around. They've had a rough start to the season, losing to Marshall and a couple of other games. But I thought Notre Dame played well against BYU. BYU is very physical. Uh, I think Arkansas has got to find a way to create a few turnovers and then just. You know, play the run and uh, keep the big plays from happening. But out there, man, they're going to pack it. I mean, it's going to be a blue and white wave, and uh, it's going to be loud. I don't think there'll be many Arkansas fans out there. I wouldn't think so. You're uh, you're just going to be in a hostile environment, probably possibly the most hostile one you'll face all year. I know a few people, and this isn't masses. This is a handful of people that have have went out and spent the week 
I mean, they're, they're doing the, the national park tour around yeah. the state, seeing Zion and Arches and Canyonland. I've never spent any time in Utah, so I'm I'm looking forward to maybe seeing some of that. It's in the southern part of the state, and Salt Lake's kind of more north-central, but uh, everything's kind of packed in there between Salt Lake and Utah, yeah. I guess from Ogden down to Provo, kind of, but uh, Salt Lake in the middle. So I think a lot of people, uh, I say a lot, there's some people I know that have uh, kind of used this as their October vacation. Oh, good for them. And I think that's something – when you're younger, you don't do a lot of that. You go to the game, you tailgate, you watch the game, then you come home. You know, when you get a little older, a little wiser, you stop and smell the roses, go see a national park, mm-hmm. museum, go to eat at a nice restaurant. And, see, you know, there's, you, there's, not a, there's not a chance and you know where that Ty's going to plan his trip no. for a football game around going to a national park. No, no. Not at all. Not a chance. I love, I, I love my time in Salt Lake City. I went to Deer Valley when I was a kid, but... To y'all's point, no, no. I'm not going to go to a national, stop any state or national um, parks. Your way to start. The only with, thing no. when I go to a, when I go somewhere to watch an Arkansas football game on the road, there are three things I care about: good food, good drinks, and cute girls. I don't care about anything else. What about football? And that they <laughs> want to football. In addition to <laughs> football, the, 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 the town itself. Okay. Those are the only right. three things that I care about. It depends on if he meets a cute girl game. before the game. So. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Tom, good morning. Good to have you as always. We'll talk football in just a sec, but... Your Atlanta Braves hosting the Phillies tonight. What do we think about that matchup with Bryce Harper and company coming into Atlanta? Ty, I really, I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to hex anything. Good luck to the Braves. You know, I'm, if we did a big deal overhauling uh, the Mets and getting this by and avoiding the Dodgers in the second round. So all that was good, but the Phillies are a tough opponent. Is that the number one fan base, Tommy, outside of the Cardinals that listens to our show? Or is it Cubs at two? Who's the second part best? of the state you're in? I, I mean, we grew up Braves fans because of TBS, but uh, 
it would probably be Cardinals, and I think probably either Braves or Cubs would be two and three, despite what some would tell you about the Royals or Rangers. That game's at 12 o'clock later on today. I know Tom is going to be invested, as yeah. other fans will be in the MLB playoffs. But good luck to look, good luck today, Tom. Excited about that. But let's talk a little K.J. Jefferson. It looks like he's back. What does he do for this football team heading into Provo this week? Yeah, well, think about it. Razorback fans are frustrated, and I get it. You know, um, the the short yardage conversions that were denied them, and it's, it's happened in some other games too. You know, the fumble at the goal line and by Rocket against Missouri State, the fumble at the three by KJ. It's just been a little bit of a a weird phenomenon this year. They've had that going on, and then obviously they're they're down so many men in the secondary, and then the two Johnsons go out and you know those are two of your biggest contributors at this point and so now they you know trent gordon was playing uh hudson clark's playing safety and sam Pittman made a little bit of a uh i don't know if it was a joke but a comment about him i'm, I'm not sure he's fitted and suited to fill the a gap and you know on one of dylan johnson's touchdown runs clark was there right there in the gap but johnson had a head of steam and and kind of barreled him over and ran for the touchdown you know, I mentioned last week, I like those two backs, Dylan Johnson, Joquavius Marks, and they really, Mississippi State just had Arkansas schemed up really well um, on what they were going to do defensively. But, KJ, if he's in the game, you know, those those and, and one conversions, you can sneak them. And, you know, Hornsby's not as big of a guy. And Fortin maybe doesn't have the experience of trying to do a one-yard sneak. And so they, they were doing some things that looked – looked to me a little bit slow developing. There was a fourth and one, I think, early in the second quarter with A.J. Green. They were on about their 10. It was after Mississippi State pinned them, and the backside guy just crashed through and and nailed A.J. Green. And the other plays, you know, they tried a couple of of boots, you know, passes, and and those didn't work. And I tell you, if, if they pick off one or two of those tip balls and they stick in both of those, goal to goes or, you know, inside the 10 situation, it's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And so I think having KJ, it just opens up your playbook more. The quarterback runs are more powerful. He, he's a fall ahead for another yard kind of guy. And I, I think they would have stuck those in. But I think Arkansas did the right thing, not playing him in that game. Um, yeah, it's frustrating to lose three in a row. But this team is, is has been beset with adversity, unlike last year's. You think Fans are upset because it was a 9-4 season. You think you're going to build on that. And these injuries you could not have foreseen, and it's really affected the secondary play. And obviously when you don't have your number one quarterback, it's a different scenario. Let's talk about that secondary. There was a lot of a lot of calls and reaction about Arkansas's approach and whether they should have rushed more players and blitzed more and put more heat on Will Rogers. That comes at a cost too, Tom, with having fewer defenders. What? What do you think Barry Odom's options are when it comes to strategy and how many you should rush considering where he's at personnel-wise with the secondary? Well, I think generally they felt with the Mississippi State game, they went back a lot to their double cloud and uh, because it had been successful for them. And their thought was if they bring five guys, then Rodgers is just going to identify the mismatches and you know, they have enough routes in their route tree to – and then the, the checks at the line is say, okay, this is going to be a pressure call. Um, a guy's going to get open, and, and then Sam Pittman said he'll pick us apart. 
And they feel the same about Jaron Hall. Now, he's a little bit dinged up, the BYU quarterback. And I just don't think they have the – they have really good receivers. I watched some of their game against Utah State, and they have some dynamic guys. I can't name you all the names right now, but they have a good set of receivers. But I don't think the whole package is there, like the, the big physical O-line, uh, the, the number of, of really good receivers. And I think they're going to get after Hall a lot more than they did Rodgers and see if they can get some balls thrown into traffic, balls thrown under pressure that uh, you can create some havoc with. And, look, those weren't easy picks. You know, I think the one Sanders hit him and, like, one of his arms was pinned and stuff like that, but it hit him high in the chest. Hudson Clark had a chance to jump over a guy and get a pick. Uh, One of the touchdowns, Malik uh, Chavis was right there, and it just kind of tipped off his hand. So a lot of opportunities in that game, and maybe if they cash in on some of those, it could be difference makers against BYU. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, that, you know, for those that want to question strategy and, and Barry Odom, and it's easy to do from your arm from your, from your recliner as being an armchair coordinator, I guess, in this case, you look at all the opportunities Arkansas had to intercept footballs in the game. Four or five occasions, the players dropped it. I mean, at some point, it can't just be about the coaching. The players have to make the plays. Yeah, they do. Um, and like I said, some of those were tough ones, but, you know, they're hitting you on, on the hands on a couple of occasions. And I know there was a, a tip pass on a slant. It was just up there. And that one, it didn't look like anybody was close enough, but that's kind of indicative of there were some balls in the air and um, Arkansas just did not get them. And let's just say they stopped two of, of those drives or stop a fourth down or two. Um it's a, it's just a different ball game. They're in it late. But, you know, it felt to me kind of like Arkansas did at home against some teams last year where they just kind of – or this year with South Carolina, they just jump on you early, they've got all the momentum, and then you're fighting back. And that's what Mississippi State did to Arkansas. And when your number one quarterback's out, it's just hard to, like, create that energy and that confidence. And even though Malik Hornsby gave them a spark – <laughs> use a Dennis Green line on you here. Malik Hornsby was who we thought he was going to be. Dynamic, explosive. He even dropped some deep balls in. The, the Bryce Stevens touchdown was phenomenal throw and catch. But under pressure, he, he put the ball in harm's way a couple times. So, Kay Fortin was the, like, the ball security more guy. And then Hornsby was the more electric. But ball could be in trouble guy. And that proved to be the case. Would you agree this team's been out of sorts since that Missouri State game. They they really obviously didn't play a complete game then and really haven't put a consistent four-quarter effort together in a while. Um, what's it going to take this week at BYU? What, what has to come together for that to happen to have a four-quarter performance? Yeah, well, right now I think they're upside down in turnovers by one. And so early in the year they were they were like plus four or plus five after two games, one of the best in the country. And that's turned on them because they're not forcing any. Um, so they got to win that battle more. You know, I think, look, I don't want to dump on the, the freshman punter, Max Fletcher, because I think he's going to wind up being good. But he was struggling with his first punt of games. Um, and also, like, just the, the yards when you're trying to punt inside the 20 and it lands on, like, the 17 and then bounces forward. You know, you saw Mississippi State's punter did a perfect pin punt down to the one. Uh, and they end up scoring on the next possession after that. So um, they, they've got to get better special teams play. They've got to stay on the field better, and that's converting all those short yardage situations. Uh, they've just got to come up with some stuff. Maybe they go to the edge a little more, as Sam Pittman suggested yesterday. 
their O-line has to deliver. I, I think their O-line really underperformed in that game against Mississippi State. They were beaten at the point of attack a lot. So all those things, then they have to deal with the altitude and the, the fans at BYU. And I, I, I think they'll have a fine chance to win this game. Coach Pittman was talking about the backside. That's what they were getting them on a lot of times with the offensive line. So on that subject, are you? Uh, do you feel like the offensive line has underperformed through six games, Tom? Well, they have in a couple of situations. They did last week. Uh, but the, some other games, like South Carolina, they were on time and creating holes and gaps for, for Rocket for the big game he had. So it's just been a hit and miss. I mean, I think in general, halfway through the season, you say they haven't been as dominant as you expected them to be. There's some things going on. You know, we know Stromberg got dinged up, hurt his arm or something. He had a bad bad blocking grade last week. Um, and there's been a few penalties. Um, so, yeah, I would say on the whole, uh, they haven't delivered as, as well as we thought. And honestly, coming out of camp, the receivers, you know, we felt like the receiving core was going to be uh, – Pretty good, but after a couple of good games to start, Matt Landers is, has not been targeted as much lately. Um, and it's a combination of everything. How much time the quarterbacks have to pass? Are the receivers beating their guys? And those kind of things. How, how connected the quarterbacks and receivers are to adjustments on routes. And um, so Hazelwood was, was kind of there last week, and Bryce Stevens jumped up, but they've just got to have more consistent efforts from Landers and and Warren Thompson, who I know has been dinged up. But, you know, they're, they're a fumble at the three-yard line against Texas A&M away from being 4-2, and two, um, and fans would be in a different frame of mind. How much does this team miss trailing Burks, Tom? Yeah, they do. There's no question. Just I think KJ felt really comfortable on 50-50 balls, just putting it in, in his neighborhood. Um, maybe not the same exact deal with these guys, but – uh, they've got to they've got to force some stuff to Matt Landers because um, he's that kind of guy. I mean, he's a speed guy, um, and in the first three games, he was their he was their main target. And so they've got to get back to throwing to him. You know, Trey Knox has got to be more involved. Uh, we know they've got a lot of playmakers, but um, they they've got to be able to stay on the field a little better and, and kind of feed those guys. Yeah. So. Altitude, that's been brought up a couple times on the show. Do, do you think that's much of a factor? If so, how do you acclimate or change or, or train for that in, in a week's time to, to adjust to the altitude in Provo, which is roughly 4,500 feet? Right, yeah, the biggest thing, I believe, is just hydrating. And um, Matt Jones with Whole Hawk Sports, he and I were talking yesterday, and he's had some conversations with dudes who played on the 2018 Razorback team. And bottom line was they felt like it really wasn't that much of a factor. Now, I don't know the, the science or of, of um, sickle cell anemia guys, but those guys, um, they've got to you know, really watch out what they do, I guess, in terms of diet and hydration and just be on the lookout because I don't know what altitude does there. But Sam Pittman mentioned it yesterday, so I will today, that you just have to be really aware of um, how you prepare those guys and then – but but otherwise, I think like you know, if if you're if you're doing long term stamina thing, um, I think it might have more an impact. But if you you know if you go hard for seven or eight seconds, and then there's breaks in the game and all, I just don't think it's that big of a factor. And you you know you're not playing it at Pikes Peak. It's sitting at twelve thousand feet. This is at twenty five hundred <laughs> feet. Fayetteville's 
roughly 1,400 feet. It's about a 3,000-foot difference in elevation. I mean, it's it's not yeah. nothing, but it's not the factor that I think, uh, you know, some, some fear it may be. Right, and, and when they went to Colorado State, I talked to Steve Atwater, you know, who played for the Denver Broncos, who played a lot of games at altitude, and and, you know, he said, look, in the fourth quarter, maybe it can be. Maybe if you're super hyped to start a game, you expend a lot of emotional energy, and then later in the game it could affect you. But, again, you know, the guys who played in 18 turned out it wasn't a super huge factor. And so I don't – I think the 2,000 feet difference uh, between those two uh, venues, um, I, I just don't see it being something you could say, boy, that's a huge benefit to BYU. Tom Murphy with us, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Whole Hog Sports. Tom, last year this team lost three straight and then pounded UAPB. They don't get that same opponent this year when they travel to Provo. Based on your conversations with Sam Pittman and these players, do you expect this team to turn it around with KJ back this weekend? I expect they'll have a lot better effort. You know, I, you know, the, the ball security part needs to happen. Um, I think they also feel like I think the game plan last week was, look, our run game can do something. And and they ran for 200 and something yards. It's just that they got behind early. So um, if they win the coin toss, they they might take the ball first, try to get on the board. You know, it, it just kind of changes the, the, the feel of a game if you're in the lead, if you score with your first possession. So that'll be an emphasis. Um, and, and I do believe their mojo will be better. It, the, the, the deal is, They've got to find ways to just create a third down stop, tip a ball and intercept it, and and get a few possessions away from BYU because if BYU is is consistent and you know efficient, they have a chance to move down the ball down the field against some inexperienced DB. So um, they just got to mix things up, get get a little pressure on Darren Hall and. Roll the dice and see if they can win one. All right, last one. We'll get you out of here on this. What would be the added value of winning going into a bye? What's that do for your approach and your mindset, knowing Auburn's on the back end, but having a W that breaks a three-game losing streak headed into a week off? Yeah, I think it's a pretty big deal psychologically. You've got two weeks of positive vibes. You know, it's always easier to correct off of wins. I saw somebody talking on uh, it. It might have been whoever was. The color analyst was last night. It's so much easier. You win a game to correct off of that, um, and um, uh, yeah, it would be a big deal. You're you're above 500 instead of below 500. Uh, who knows what's happening? Does Auburn have a press conference today? Did I see that? <laughs> that I mean, there could be uh, there could be wild stuff going on at Auburn when when the Razorbacks get down there. Well, so the yeah, I think it would be a huge deal. The rumor mill certainly working overtime uh, down on the plains. Tom, good stuff. We'll yep. talk to you Thursday, and I'll see you up in Provo. Sounds good, man. See y'all. All right, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Whole Hog Sports with us here on the Morning Rush. We're brought to you by the Inn at the Mill, one of the unique treasures in northwest Arkansas. If you are a business traveler or you're just planning a weekend away to northwest Arkansas, hey, I encourage you to check out the Inn at the Mill. We love staying there. When Ty and I have to go up for business, or we just need a place to stay in northwest Arkansas, there's only one place we stay, and that's at the end of the mill. It's a great location, I-49 at the Johnson exit. That's exit 69, so you're in the heart of northwest Arkansas. So if you're going to a concert at the Amp, or you're going to the basketball game or the football game or whatever you've got planned, it's easy from there to get to anything you're doing. If you're going to a Naturals game you know, next year, uh, or you're going to Crystal Bridges, it's right there in the heart of everything. There are great restaurants, great shopping, 
and more. And speaking of basketball games, the red-white game coming up. We got the full schedule out now. Start making your plans. They don't require a two-night minimum at the end of the mill. So you can come up and spend one night for a midweek game or make a full weekend of it if you want as well. That's the end of the mill, exit 69 at the Johnson exit in the heart of Northwest Arkansas. Call them and make your reservation, 443-1800. That's 443-1800. Or find out more online at inatthemill.com. Adam from Wynn texted and he says, when will the media no longer ask if the team misses Burks? He's not suiting up again. It's not fair to the current and future Hogs. Well, the reason I'm asking Tom that question, Adam, is because Arkansas is 104th against conference opponents this season passing the football in the Artsburg game. They miss Traylon Burks. They miss him. You don't have a guy that KJ trusts in one-on-one situations that he will throw it no matter what. You had that last year. Coach Pittman echoed it last week. We have become too one-dimensional. Now, I don't know if they can open it up against BYU. You saw it points in Mississippi State. They look like a decent passing team. But that is the reason that that question still needs to be asked six games in is because their passing game has not been as good as it needs to be in order to compete in this conference. I don't know if it needs to be asked. I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, I don't think there's a there's another answer. I mean, you're asking a question, and I think that there's only one obvious answer to it. The question is, how do you develop one of these guys? Not to be a first-round draft choice. I mean, name me the first-round draft choice you didn't miss the following season. You know, did you miss Ragnall on the offensive line? I guess he was the last first-rounder before. I, I don't think I missed anybody in between. I mean, you're always going to miss guys of that caliber question is what can you do to get hazelwood or landers and hazelwood showed maybe a little more flash and uh and, and ability the last couple of games so how do you get one of them to be a primary receiver and that's what you haven't developed i don't think is a primary receiver for this football team hey it's gonna be a few more weeks but back in the stadium you get by cj's butcher boy burgers they've got locations on the south side and also on the east side of the stadium but if you can't wait till then ty Russellville and in Northwest Arkansas at the Weddington exit. You can get your CJs on today. Yeah, I had it last week, and it's always good to stop by and see Keith Wilson and his team again. If you have not stopped by CJs lately, you need to. It's awesome. We don't have a home game until November, so you're going to have to wait till you get to stadium until then, but you can always stop by the Russellville location and the Fayetteville location. I had it with Arkansas super fan Kendall Apple, K-Dog, who wears the sunglasses, last week in Russellville. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. And let me tell you, they are at CJ's. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.